you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Castrol Edge. DJ Bucky joining you here as the football season is officially here. Preseason game tonight, Buck. What's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Everything is good on this, and I'm excited. Football is finally here. We get to talk about games, and for every weekend until February, we are assured of seeing some football, so it's a happy time. Yeah, we've got uh, plenty of topics to cover here today. You're going to talk about those uh, Bears and Ravens in the Hall of Fame game preview here a little bit later on in the show. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Pat Mahomes, Buck, some maybe not as much flattering news coming out of Chiefs camp as we anticipated with all the offseason hype. We'll touch on that as well. Uh, what else are we talking about today, Buck? We've got several other topics we got to touch. Well, we're going to talk about some of the rookies. Sam Darnold finally signing his deal. Roquan Smith holding out. We're also going to talk about Earl Thomas. And then playing on a tweet that you th- sent out about Reggie Bush, we're going to talk about some of the highest guys that we've ever graded. Yeah, no question. A lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of ground to cover there. We're going to have some fun when we talk about the best players that we've ever evaluated in terms of their college grade in honor of Hall of Fame weekend here. But I think we start things off here with a couple rookies. Uh, just a week ago, we had two rookies left to be signed, and now there's only one because Sam Darnold inked that four-year, $30 million deal with the Jets. Sounds like there was some haggling over language. They were able to work it out, and now Sam Darnold's already got a couple practices under his belt. Hey, look, at, at some point, we knew he was going to come to camp. The language in these deals, people are really trying to, to haggle and figure out what to do with forfeiture language, uh, offset language, and the like. Sam Darnold finally signs his deal. Didn't miss a lot of practice. He'll step back in. He'll jump right back in this race. And we will see if he can play well enough in the preseason be the starter when the Jets kick off in week one. Yeah, Buck, I think when it's all said and done, he ends up starting week one uh, for the Jets. I know we've kind of threw out some odds earlier in the offseason about uh, the chances these guys starting. I do think we end up seeing Sam Donald out there week one with the Jets starters. You know, I, th- I think the Jets are in a, a, a unique situation because they have three guys that can legitimately start for them and maybe other places. And so I think the thing becomes how well 
Does Teddy Bridgewater play in the preseason? How often do they allow him to play to showcase him? And do they eventually trade him away at the end of preseason to see if they can get a team that either has an injury or is not satisfied at the quarterback position to take a veteran who appears to have some juice still left in his game? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Teddy because I do think if he can put together a, a nice preseason, he will get an opportunity to go somewhere and compete. Um, I, look, let's see what happens with Buffalo. For some reason, they struggle up in Buffalo during the preseason. Who knows? You know, they want to buy Josh Allen some time and don't want to rush him out there. It'd be very unusual to see a quarterback traded inside the division, although we did see it uh, with Andy Reid trading Donovan McNabb to the Washington Redskins. But that would be kind of one of the teams I would keep an eye on. In terms of other teams out there that are still looking for a starting quarterback, they will definitely have their eyes on Teddy Bridgewater to see if he's fully healthy here in the preseason because when healthy, I think he has starter ability. Yeah, I think there's no question that he has started building. He's been successful. He's led his team to the postseason, even though the numbers would say that he's a game manager. For some teams, a game manager is all you need, depending upon the uh, the supporting cast and the talent that you have around him. I think when you mentioned the Buffalo Bills, I'm not as necessarily um, likely to think that they will pull the trigger just because there's a fascination with Nate Peterman in the building. They're also a team that went out and, for a modest deal, they signed A.J. McCarron. We'll see how it plays out there, but I do think a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could be intrigued by him, particularly if Ryan Fitzpatrick struggles, knowing that this is a make-or-break year for the head coach, the GM, and the quarterback. you got to figure out a way to get it right. Yeah, no, that'll be fun. Also, I know they just signed him, and there's a lot of confidence in the building based off how he played last year. But wouldn't be a bad in, uh, insurance policy for Blake Bortles there either in Jacksonville uh, if you can get him Teddy Bridgewater. I don't yep. know what, what the cost will be, but that'd be a, definitely one I would uh, keep an eye on there. The other rookie, though, still has yet to sign as we're recording this pod, and that's Roquan Smith with the Chicago Bears. Now, I don't think it's a huge deal because Roquan, the intelligence is off the charts. I think even if he comes late in camp, You'll see him get right on the field and have an impact. But, man, the stuff that's out there that they're rumored to be squabbling about, when you talk about uh, some of this, the, the suspension language and the fine language that comes along with that, with the uncertainty with this new uh, head head down rule, man, I, I, if I'm Roquan Smith or if I'm his, uh, his representatives, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on that one because that can end up costing you a ton of money in a rule that is yet to be fully understood. I cannot believe the Chicago Bears are haggling over this, a player that is going to be a key contributor. I cannot believe that you're fighting over something that would happen on the field to be able to take away all the guarantees. If I'm Roquan Smith and his representatives, I'm absolutely drawing a hard line in the sand and not budging on this deal. The Bears need Roquan Smith. They need him to be in camp. They need him to help that defense. You heard the defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, talk about, look, man, we need the guys – to somehow find a way to get this guy signed so we can get him in and get going. The Bears have created a lot of positive momentum in the offseason. Matt Nagy coming. I would hate to see a dark cloud hang over this franchise because you can't get your number one pick in the building. Yeah, all that optimism on the offensive side of the ball, but, man, he is going to be a central figure for this defense. And you look at some of the young pieces they have there, I like him. But Roquan Smith, I think, becomes a leader of this defense, becomes that great, next great Bears linebacker, and it just seems like, man, are we really are we really squabbling over this stuff? Just get it done, get him in there, let's get ready to go, and, and kind of build on the momentum of the offseason because I think you can make a strong case the Bears had the best offseason of any team in the league. I mean, yeah, everything is pointing that the you know the the franchise is going to turn the corner. Matt Nagy 
comes in. It appears that he has a nice rapport with the quarterback. We like the things that they've done around the quarterback. We're excited about what he could do in his second year, coming on the heels of watching Jerry Goff and Carson Wentz take their game up a notch. So everything is positive there. Defense played surprisingly well last year, very competitive and feisty. They just need a centerpiece, and that is who Roquan Smith should be for this defense. So if I'm the Bears, I want to make sure we do everything to get the season off on the right start. Man, you got to get him in. You got to get him in, get him some experience so he can be the leader of that defense. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Bears in just a minute here as we look at this Hall of Fame game. Other piece of news, Earl Thomas went ahead and put it out there on the Players' Tribune, Buck. It basically made it very simple for the Seattle Seahawks. Pay me or trade me. I mean, I mean, it's as simple as that. Look, players understand the business side of the game. He can look around and see that all of his homies, all of his guys on defense are no longer there. Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor's retired. Like, it's no longer the same team. He is the only person there that has really gone through those wars. And so if you're Earl Thomas and you're in the last year of your deal, normally if they want you to be a big part of the, the situation going forward, They'll come to you with an extension, try and figure it out. What he doesn't want to do is to risk his health to jeopardize his future by going out there playing for a franchise that isn't really all in. So I do understand why he's saying, look, either pay me to make sure that I'm going to be here or let me go to another team that's going to appreciate what I bring to the field. I understand it. This is going to be a tough one because the Seattle Seahawks have already gone down this line before. They held a hard line on Cam Chancellor a couple seasons ago. He missed two games and they didn't relent. We'll see what their stance is with Earl Thomas, but this is one that could play out into the regular season. Can I give you my uh, prediction here? Give you my Earl Thomas prediction. All right, we should. What, what is it? He he's not the two options is going to be the trade option. He's not getting paid there. That's not going to happen. So he's going to get traded. The question then is, where does he go and what is the compensation it takes to get Earl Thomas? And I'll I'll give you the compensation. I'll I'll challenge you to give me the location. I think to get Earl Thomas away from the Seattle Seahawks, I'm going to say it's going to cost you a two and something. So it's going to cost you next year's second round pick, as well as maybe a conditional pick. Maybe it's a a four that could turn into a three. Maybe it's a five that can turn into a four. I'm going to say it's a second round pick plus just a little bit of sugar there, Buck. Wow, that's a lot. I mean... Two and he's a premier player when healthy he's the best free safety in the nfl so here's my thing why can they get this done during draft week why can they get the I second round pick? I, I really thought i really thought it would get done during the draft so I, especially at that time everybody knows who has extra picks and i thought man this is a pretty valuable asset if you bring earl thomas in might be worth parting with a couple of those picks well okay so here, here's where i go i think it'd be a a conditional third meaning it goes to a second based on playing time things and they have you. I think what the Seattle Seahawks are doing is they're going to wait. And you know it. After the first or second preseason game, that's when people begin to panic about how their roster is constructed. Some of the young guys that you're hopeful on, they may not play well that first or second game. It increases the anxiety about what you have at the position. I believe by week three of the preseason, Earl Thomas will be in another spot because that's kind of what leads us to see these moves made in the preseason. <coughs> Dallas Cowboys. Uh, no, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I just, I will be very surprised if Earl Thomas suits up for the Seattle Seahawks ever again. I think that that, that chapter is over in his career. And I think this team really, from the team side of things, they can call it what they want, Buck. This to me looks like the beginning of a rebuild and all those veteran names have, have exited. And I know Pete Carroll is excited having some fresh blood in there and, and preaching that competition all over again. No jobs are guaranteed. That's great, but when I look at where their roster is compared with other teams inside that division, 
Russell Wilson's going to have to cover up a lot of stink because I think this team is not very good this year. I, I'll be surprised if the Seattle Seahawks are a 500 team. Yeah, it could be tough on this team. And he, here's what we're seeing. This team has missed a lot in in drafts the last couple of years. And part of the reason they were able to have success, that one draft that they knocked it out of the park was the 2011 draft or whatever, 2012 draft, when they were able to get all of those guys. That was the, the composition, the nucleus of their squad. Since then, they haven't been able to replicate that success. And what happens when you miss and miss repeatedly on those guys, the talent on your roster begins to diminish. Right now, they're not a talented squad because they didn't hit on those draft picks. Puts a lot of pressure on John Snyder and that staff to kind of figure out a way to build this team, to rebuild this team without those draft picks playing up. We've seen them kind of dig into the old first-round bin. Deion Jordan and some of the guys that they've picked up off the market, Barcavius Mingo and others. We'll see if Pete can kind of wave his magic wand and get those guys to play at a high level. But right now, this is a team that appears to be regressing as opposed to ascending in that division. Yeah, and I look at around that division and I see a young Josh Rosen eventually going to take over there for the Arizona Cardinals. A David Johnson still entering into his prime. I see Jimmy Garoppolo and all the excitement with that San Francisco organization. Everybody knows about the Rams and the talent they've accumulated on both sides of the ball over the last couple of years. So I just look at them inside that division. I think at this point in time, go ahead and make that trade. Get Earl Thomas a new home, get some draft picks, and see if you can't continue this rebuilding process as you go into next year. Uh, another piece of news, Buck, Pat Mahomes, uh, kind of the darling of the offseason, and nobody nobody disputes the tools that he has. When you talk about the arm strength and the, the athleticism to be able to move around and make some rare plays. But there's been some reports he struggled a little bit in, in Chiefs camp. And my opinion on this, and I want to get your thoughts on it, This and this is coming from a guy who's a little bit skeptical about Pat Mahomes and thinks it will be a little up and down here this first year, but I am not worried at all based off struggles in practice because this is this goes back to anybody that knows how to develop the quarterback position. You're gonna, you want to stretch them and stress them out in practice. Ask them to do things. Press the boundaries. See what throws you can make. Uh, take some chances during practice and kind of learn yourself. And it's going to help the play color learn what you like, what you don't like, what throws you can and can't make. And then once you get into the season, you're going to see Andy Reid shrink that playbook into things that he knows Pat Mahomes is not only comfortable with, but that he can execute. I think people get way carried away with what takes place in training camp practice. I think you have to understand what it is and understand the objective. And really from the outside looking in, we don't know what the emphasis is each day when Pat Mahomes steps onto the field. We don't know if Andy Reid had encouraged him, hey, push the envelope a little bit. I want you to see if those 50-50 throws, tight window throws, see if you can fit it in there just so that we know when it comes to game day, you feel absolutely comfortable making those throws. I'll go back to during my time as a player. When I was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Dick Duran was a defense coordinator, former head coach of the Bills and the Bears. And he said, always try whatever you think you may do in games, try it in practice because there's no scoreboard in practice. So if you mess up, if you give up a big play, if you turn it over, it doesn't matter because you're really trying to see where you are and how you need to play to be successful on game day. To me, we have heard Andy Reid talk about, hey, Pat Mahomes needs to let it fly, let it rip. Let's see where we're at. Let's see what throws we can make. Let's see how we can build it around them. As they get closer to playing regular season games, we'll see him rein it in. But I will say, this is who Pat Mahomes is. He's a yeah. gunslinger and a risk taker. And so if you think that you're going to get Alex Smith-like ball security, you're not going to get it. But what you're hoping is 
you get far more big plays because he does push the envelope and he has more talent with his arm. Yeah, I think you traded, let's be honest, you traded efficient for explosive. That was the trade-off that you wanted to make. The efficiency of Alex Smith versus the explosiveness of Pat Mahomes. Now, we'll see how that pays off. I, I have a feeling that, okay, they might even be comfortable with the fact that Alex Smith maybe can get us to be a 13-3 and three team. Maybe with Pat Mahomes, we're, we're an 11-5 and five team. We're a 10-6 and six team. Both guys get us into the dance, but once we get into the postseason, you feel like with Pat Mahomes' ceiling, he'd be able to navigate through an entire postseason and, and be able to hoist a trophy, whereas you felt maybe with Alex Smith, there were some limits in place there once you get into the postseason. But there was definitely a trade-off, and they're going to have to live with some of the uncomfortable throws, some of the turnovers. That's going to come with the territory. But I, you, you, we are going to see we are going to see some wild plays from Pat Mahomes, and I would imagine we'll start here in the preseason. You know, a long time ago, Warren Moon – told me um he said look man when you're playing quarterback you have to be able to push it and i got to be able to make these chances and take these risks in the first quarter and sometimes it may end up in a, as an interception but in the fourth quarter you're going to want me to make those plays so you better live with the mistakes so you can get the rewards no that's a great that's a great point there another article that's out there i just read uh, just recently about Kyle Shanahan talking about how he presented a play in front of the whole team. I don't know if you saw this book on yeah, Richard Sherman. I saw it. What a great, what a great, what a great message from Kyle Shanahan. Richard Sherman, if you haven't seen it, he goes up against Marquise Goodwin, maybe the you know top three fastest guys in the league. And Marquise Goodwin beats him on a nine route, beats him vertical, and it kind of went semi-viral. People talking about, oh, is, you know, Richard Sherman lost a step. He's not the same guy. Blah blah blah. And Kyle Shanahan said, look, this is this is what I love about Richard. He's challenging himself, get up and press coverage against one of the fastest guys on the planet right off of an injury. Now, Richard Sherman's not going to play him like that if they were in a regular season game right now. He's going to do uh, things that are going to benefit him and protect him. But in practice, man, do it. Challenge yourself. Get better. And uh, and he, he was he was awesome with that message to Richard Sherman, telling everybody out here, hey, don't worry about what they're writing in, on websites and newspapers about what you're doing in training camp. This is about you individually taking that next step, challenging yourself, and getting better. You know, DJ, I will say this. This is the hardest time ever to be a player um, at any level, high school, college, pro, because you have so many voices that don't carry any weight weighing in on players' performances, even us making observations from afar or whatever. Right now, Twitter has allowed everyone to pick apart your game. And if you're not courageous and confident and have thick skin, you can allow the Twitterverse to really make you question yourself. To me, it says a lot about Richard Sherman that he doesn't mind putting himself out there for public consumption to doing things that are kind of on the line when it comes to playing because he knows he has to figure out what can I do, what can I do at this stage of my career. Coming off this injury, can I go back and play like I used to play in Seattle or do I need to make some alterations to the game? In practice, that's where you figure it out. The challenge is are you willing to do it in practice knowing everyone's a reporter, everyone has an iPhone, Everyone has the ability to take a video and to make it viral. It's tough. But with a coach coming out and supporting them like that, I can see other players on their squad being okay with putting themselves out there because they know their coach has their back. Let me give you a phrase here, Buck. You can write this one down free of charge. Uh, as, a, as a player, as a team, as an organization, 
Never lose sight on what you want ultimately. Don't sacrifice what you want ultimately for what you want immediately. And I think that's a great lesson really kind of all, all the way around in life is, is keep your eyes on the on the big prize and not focus on that immediacy right now. You take some criticism. Who cares? Uh, just become a better player, become a better football team. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it is. I think everyone has to have a long-term goal. Everyone has to have a set of expectations and objectives on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and then for the year. As football coaches, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get your guy to hone in on certain things each day, each week, each month to get better. This is part of the process. And you have to have enough conviction and courage to not worry about all the guys on the outside weighing in. Last thing, and we'll get into this uh, this preview here for the Hall of Fame game. Uh, we, we both are obsessed kind of with the quarterback position and the leadership position. And I, I heard this little phrase and I thought from a team, as, as you're kind of going through this time of your high school, if you're a high school coach out there, college coach, whatever, I know we got a bunch of guys uh, that listen to the podcast here. And I heard this phrase, and I thought, man, this is a great way to know if you've got a great team or not. But you want to have guys that know the way, that go the way, and then show the way. And I thought that is so beautiful because it's knowing what to do, then doing it, and then being able to bring up the young guys underneath you and teaching them and showing them how to do it. And I thought, man, when you think about the great teams you've been around, the great teams I've had a chance to be around, Buck, that's exactly what took place there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is what you do. Like, you're not afraid. You you have a level of accountability. You have a level of uh, courage and confidence where, look, it's us against the world. We're going to put ourselves out there for the world to see. And we're not afraid. We don't worry about public's opinion we have a focus we have a plan in place that's going to help us get to the promised land and you have to trust it and I think you know going back to Kyle Shanahan and what he did I think what he is doing is showing us guys we in this building know exactly what's going on we have a plan in place for us to get to the next level ignore all the naysayers we're fine we're right on track we're going to continue to do what we do have our nose down and make sure we get there in time all right, I want to get uh, on that same theory here. That's a, it's a nice segue here. Talking about the Bears, Joe Flacco, uh, along with Lamar Jackson, showing the way, Buck. Uh, your thoughts there on the mentorship that's maybe taking place, maybe not taking place. I know, again, I go out of town for a couple days and Bucky, you know, gets <laughs> I didn't on Twitter. Say anything. And then gets, I didn't and then say anything. Battle. I, I feel like I feel like I'm like uh, I'm like Bernie Pachinko over here, like the fight I think, doctor. I think what's funny is how people call you in to kind of like, hey, calm your boy down. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah, Bucky's yeah. off the rails. Yeah, I'm D- DJ, calm, Bucky, calm him down. Bucky, uh, Look, going off on these dudes. No, what what happened was Aditi Kikabwala put out a report from Cleveland about something that Tyrod Taylor had told her about Tyrod coming into the league and how he said, like, look, Joe Flacco didn't give me a lot of assistance my first year there. So I was like, look, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised based on my experience and some of the other things that I know about quarterbacks in the league and Joe Flacco specifically. I said, look, last year, Joe Flacco, we could say in jest, talked about Colin Kaepernick and not wanting him to come and start. And then later he came back and said, hey, it would be fun to have him. Like, if you believe it at face value, cool. But we all have been around quarterbacks, and we all will say that the quarterback room is different than every other room in the, on the squad. Quarterbacks are rarely put in a situation, particularly starters, where they bring in another guy who has starting caliber potential to push him. Because the old starter typically doesn't like that. He likes to know it's my squad. I take all the reps. I don't want to have to compete for my job. How can I know? And so there's an uncertainty and insecurity that naturally exists in that room. So people brought up examples of, well, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Great. You make my point. Tom Brady sends Jimmy Garoppolo out. Great. 
That's my point. Most alphas, most quarterbacks don't want the presence of another guy, and that leads to some insecurity. However, the ones that are secure, they don't mind sharing information. They don't mind giving tips and confidence. What we heard, Drew Brees gave Chase Daniels a plan for how to prepare. Chase Daniels goes to Philadelphia, gives – well, he goes to Kansas City first, gives Alex Smith that plan, then makes his way to Philly, gives that plan to Carson Wentz. What we're seeing in Philadelphia with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz and the yin and the yang and them talking about the perfect room, the reason people talk about it is because it's uncommon. It is uncommon for quarterbacks to share information like that. So when you do have a situation like that, you highlight it, you shed light on it, you talk about it. Yeah, the one thing I would yeah, – I have to go back and look this up, but I believe when uh, when Tyrod got to Baltimore, I think it was, his rookie year was pre-Super Bowl, right? So mm-hmm. he, so Joe hadn't won a Super Bowl yet. Maybe with the, you know, with the Super Bowl run that he had and the big contract that came after it, maybe you have a more secure Joe Flacco that was maybe a little bit more open. But, man, I, I don't know. He didn't seem – you can say – whatever is said is said, but I just know if you want to look at what he's put out there for us to see from the outside – I don't think Joe was too pleased uh, with the addition of Lamar Jackson. That's just, hey, that's my opinion. As I mean, Bucky said, he threw his phone across the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, like, so, so, so that's the thing. Look, you and I both know guys in that building. Like, it is what it is. Like, people can say what they say. But, like, we've talked to people not only in the front office, we've talked to people on the staff. Like, no one necessarily expects him to kind of – hold Lamar Jackson's hands and and say, like, hey, Lamar, this is how you play. Because, look, he's competing for Joe Flacco's job at some point, and everyone knows what it is. And so it's one of those things. We all have insecurities. When you bring somebody and sit them right beside my seat, I feel some kind of way because I know, like, hey, this guy could potentially move me out. So what I'm going to do is if I feel good enough about myself, I'll help because – Inside, I feel like I'm going to outperform the person anyway. It shouldn't matter. It's just a matter of how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your security. All right, real quick here on this game, if you're just looking at one thing you're looking for here from the Ravens and maybe one thing you're looking for from the Bears. Oh, you know what we're looking for, man. We're looking to see if Lamar Jackson going to make some splash What's the first plays. play call? Bucky Brooks is the offensive coordinator, which you are the offensive coordinator for your high school team, oh, Notre Dame High School. What am, I, what am I doing for Lamar Jackson right now? Yeah, what's your first play? You know, first play, I'm, I'm going to be like, look, Lamar, what, what's your favorite quick route? We're going to throw it outside. But when in doubt, just run. Just take off. <laughs> like, like whatever's going to help him get the butterflies out, I want him to kind of get that out the way. So I may let him run pretty early in the series, maybe have a design quarterback draw or something where he can kind of get it all out, and then let's get to playing ball. I think this dude is a little different in the way he has been painted and portrayed. I know he ran a lot at Louisville, but a lot of the stuff that they tried to do at Louisville has some pro elements. I'm curious to see what Marty Mornwig does in a traditional sense to allow him to play the position. I don't think this is going to be a collegiate-looking offense when he's in. I'm just curious to see what it looks out. But I'm expecting him to have a pretty big performance during the brief time that he's in because he will be playing against the threes, and the threes are the guys that he dominated on the collegiate level. Can I, my, can I make my suggestion, though? Uh-huh. Uh, Marty, I believe Marty, because I was there, I believe Marty Morning was the coordinator uh, when Vic against the Washington Redskins had the stretch boot post to Deshaun oh. Jackson. You, you think about taking a shot right out the gate? I'm saying you that's think what about, I'm doing. I'm you think about taking a shot right out the gate? And just let it go. Let's start this thing off with a bang. Let's let Lamar Jackson stretch it out a little okay, bit. Okay, so now, all right, so here's what you have if you do that, though. Oh, you're going to have controversy. It's going to be great. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you dial up one of those perfect plays, like, hey, we're going to go 18 handoff solid, fake Z reverse, X post, 
<laughs> for a touchdown. Do you know what is going to happen on Twitterverse if Lamar Jackson throws a shot like that? It's going to be the it's going to be the best. I'm it's just saying the best. if you want to make your guy, your starter feel comfortable, I don't know if that is the play call. I don't know <laughs> if I'm John Harbaugh, if I'm on the set like no 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 no. No 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 no. No no no. No no no. no. <laughs> we're not doing that yet. I don't know if uh, we're doing that. I just want to see – I just want NFL shop to monitor how many Ravens eight jerseys get sold if that ball is completed. I mean, you know we're going to see a splash player too, so it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, so it'll be fun. That's what we're looking for there from the from the Ravens. How about from the Bears? Something to keep an eye on. For me, I'm looking at this, uh, this offensive line I think has got a chance to be one of the better offensive lines in the league. James Daniels, a rookie from Iowa – can play all three interior spots. I'm anxious to see if he does get some work uh, moving around in there on the inside. I think it's got a chance to be a really good offensive line. I don't think we'll see much of Trubisky. I think you'll see probably a series, and he'll be out of there. Uh, but I, I am looking forward to seeing this offense under Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich, how this is all going to work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really paying close attention to the opening script because this is the first time that we'll see the Bears with a new head coach. I think they put a little more time and attention and detail to what the – first 10 to 12 plays will be with Mitch Trubisky because like it or not they're going to be judged and evaluated on how they play this preseason game and even though we say it doesn't matter it certainly does matter in a sense you want to build some confidence so look at the first 10 to 12 plays with Trubisky's in let's see how diverse they get let's see how they kind of build it I think it will go a long way to telling you what they think about him and it could be a preview for how they're going to play with the quarterback that they have as their franchise quarterback. Yeah, I think I might even, I'm with you. I might even be looking more at play calls than playmakers in this game. I don't know how long we're going to see the starters. So, but pay, pay attention to how this offense functions and how it works. We'll be able to see what it's going to look like here for this new look Bears offense. That'll be a fun thing to keep an eye on there. Uh, Buck, as we kind of move to the next part of the show here, I, I'm, I tweeted this out the other day because whenever Reggie Bush's highlights come across Twitter, it's uh, still the best. It's the best highlight tape I think I've ever seen. Unbelievable. Like that little clip that, that you saw, I saw it elsewhere. It's, it's the same thing. Like I tell people this, look, you said it was the highest grade you've ever given. It's the highest grade that I ever gave as a scout. I mean, the dude had a combination of stuff that you just absolutely want. He had speed. He had stop-start quickness. He had big playability. He could catch the ball out the backfield. He could return kicks and punts. He was a five-tool player at the position. Then he had crazy production in big games against great competition. I mean, when you go and you're a scout and you're kind of going through and you're checking boxes, he checked off every box. And so he was worthy of getting the grade that he had. Now, we can talk about his pro career and whether he um, exceeded expectations or failed to live up to them. Yes, he was second pick. Like, did he live up to all that stuff? No. But look, Dude played in the league for 11 years. He went to a Super Bowl. He was a key member of the Super Bowl squad, catching the ball out the backfield and making plays. I cannot call his career a failure. Maybe he didn't live up to the hype, but based on what he was in college, he absolutely deserved one of those marquee grades. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a unique talent, and I wish he could have stayed healthy, and even more, I wish he would have came along a decade later uh, because the way the NFL set up Can you imagine what he would do in this day and age? Like this, the way the game is played now is tailor-made for him. And also, if you think about a Christian McCaffrey being kind of drafted at eight and the way the Panthers are trying to find ways to create touches for him, in this game, 
Reggie Bush would have been right up there with Saquon Barkley, drafted probably in the same spot at number two. A team would take him, and they would really use him the way that he should have been used throughout his career, monitor his touches as opposed to his rushing attempts. He absolutely would, could have been a guy that would average over 100-plus scrimmage yards a game and been a very, very successful player for the next decade. Yeah, no question, Buck. I thought it would be fun, though, on the heels of this little discussion to – to throw out there to folks asking what the highest grades we gave. Now, I'm not saying these ended up being the best players. Obviously, Reggie Bush ended up being the greatest player of all time. Uh, but in terms of their college grades when they were coming into the draft, so I went back and looked up my highest three grades. And some of them, like I, I for some reason, I thought I had, had evaluated Adrian Peterson. I had just done him for fun. I was not assigned him uh, when I was with the Ravens when he came out. So I did not actually have a grade in the system on him, although he would have been he would have been way up there. But for me, I had in terms of the highest graded guys going back to 2003 that I evaluated Reggie Bush, the highest grade, the only perfect grade I ever gave out. Uh, Andrew Luck, second highest grade that I gave out with him coming out of Stanford. And believe it or not, Buck, the third highest grade that I gave out was this past year, Saquon Barkley. Ooh, how about that? Yeah, so those are the three highest-rated players. I guess I have a, a thing for running backs here, man. Two of the top three were uh, were running backs. You know, like, that's funny because I'm going back. I'm looking through the list. Like, with Reggie Bush, I gave Julius Peppers, like, a ridiculous grade. Um, but it's kind of like the same thing. Like, the common traits are like, man, freakish size, athleticism, excellent production, and then they have a special quality. Like, for me, it was this dude's a two-sport star. Like, imagine what he could be when he becomes a football-only player. And then I had a big grade on Andrew Luck. And for Andrew Luck, like, he checked off all the boxes. Like, look, he was a talented player. He controlled everything. He dominated the game the way that he played. And when you dig into his character and the way that he worked and his football IQ and all those other things, I mean, when you look for can't-miss things, he was kind of a can't-miss dude coming out of college. So, yeah, those guys typically have all the things that deserve the high grades and the big marks that they get. Yeah, one, I was thinking of some of the things those guys have in common. Um, all the players that we've talked about right here, Buck, the work ethic coming out was outstanding. And the, the other thing, maybe a little bit underrated with all these guys, intelligence. These guys were all extremely smart dudes, both on the field and off the field. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. Um, IQ matters um, because what you, what you ideally like, we always talk about it when I'm talking to young guys, um, what you want is a blue-chip talent with a blue-collar mentality. You want a guy that is a five-star recruit, a guy that can have all the things that you look for from a physical standpoint, but also kind of has like that that workman-like mentality, meaning he's going to go to work every day. He's going to outwork the competition. He's going to kind of set the pace for the rest of your squad. All of those guys that we have mentioned have those kind of traits. That football character matters when it comes to giving out that final grade. It's one of the reasons why we have been so high on the guys that we mentioned. No question. So, look, fun little talk there, talking about the top, the top grades we ever doled out when we were scouting and, and going over the last decade plus. Some interesting names there, Buck. Before we get out of here, I always like to take people a little bit behind the curtain in terms of what goes on in the scouting world during this time of year. So the preseason games start, and you're going to have scouts that are assigned to different teams. So these are college area scouts. They're out usually covering you know colleges and looking towards the draft. But during this time here, during preseason, we cross-train a little bit and do some work with the pro staff. Uh, you might be assigned a couple teams. So if you're a scout buck and you have a, you've been assigned kind of the back-end roster guys for the Bears uh, and, in this game, the Baltimore Ravens, you would have both those teams. You're up in the press box. Take folks a little bit behind the curtain and tell them what, the, what goes on there. We know this is unique for a college scout because it's your first time really kind of going in the game 
and having to look at so many different guys on both squads. You'll do it some, but you won't do it to this degree. And also because you're kind of out of your, your realm a little bit looking at pro talent. So, one, I get there early at this game. So, if we're talking about game time is like 8 o'clock, you assume that pregame warm-ups are going to be somewhere between 6.30 and 7. You want to get there early so you can get your set up. I've never been a binoculars guy. I know you probably were. <laughs> That's just never been my thing. But I want to get the flip card. I want to highlight the guys that I need to know. I want to have a couple different colored pens and pencils to make sure that I can write some notes. And then I'm trying to really identify them and figure out whether they line up. And then during the process of trying to figure out where they line up, I then want to see if I can catch a glimpse of what they're doing on the field. Do they show speed? Do they flash? Do they make a play that kind of makes me kind of be like, okay, I need to make sure I go back and watch this guy and kind of have a little note on him. If it's his speed, if it's his hands, if it's something that stands out. And we're kind of doing this throughout the process of everything, trying to identify who those guys are. One of the funny stories that I can tell you is I had to go and watch San Diego before they were the L.A. Chargers. And it yep. was Antonio Gates' first season. Oh, and yeah. they gave him to me. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, I'm looking. He was number 49, I think, during that first preseason. <laughs> so I'm looking at him like, all right, I got the, I got the guy, the basketball player. Yeah, okay, he's, he's all right. I mean, what? So you just kind of throw a little grade on him and send it in. Like, it, it may have been like a 5-0, 5-1. Like, oh, okay, maybe bottom of the roster guy. Little did I know he would become a Hall of Fame caliber player. But those are the kind of things. You're trying to really tip off the pro department on some guys to look at if they get cut. Here's what I saw briefly. I saw some size. I saw some quickness. I saw a little playmaking ability. You may want to check him out if he doesn't make this squad. Yeah, you put, them, you put those players you're assigned. And the way we did the teams I worked for were guys drafting the 5th, fifth, 6th, fifth, and 7th round currently. So this year's 5th through 7th rounders. All the priority free agents from this year. And then uh, they, the pro staff will identify maybe three to five guys that are kind of roster bubble guys. Maybe they've been on the team for a couple years, but they're in danger of potentially being cut. So you end up going into a game and you've probably got, gosh, you've probably got 30 guys from each team that you're trying to keep an eye on. And most of them, once you, especially once you get to the you know third week of the preseason, you, these guys don't even come into the game until you get to the you know mid, late third quarter. So you're there just kind of taking in a game almost like a fan. For the first half of the game, while the starters are playing, you know they're going to make the team. We're not responsible to do much work on them. Uh, it's just those back-end roster guys that you wonder, you know, are they going to be on that roster bubble? That's who you're focusing on. Uh, so uh, it, it definitely gets a little hectic once they all kind of come into the game at the exact same time. But you're trying to put them in buckets for your pro department, for your the head of pro scouting, trying to put them in a bucket of, okay, I would claim this player if he got cut. Like he's good enough to be on our active or on our 53-man roster. So there's the claim guys. Uh, there's guys I think would be great practice squad players, so I would immediately try and sign them to the practice squad. No question, uh, they're worthy of that. And then there's workout guys. You're saying, okay, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's worth a practice squad spot, but he's definitely worth bringing in so we can work him out uh, and kind of keep him on the radar in case we have some roster attrition as the year goes along. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the main thing you want to see if you can find anybody that flashes enough that makes them worthy of bringing in for a workout or even claiming at the deadline. And so if you can find some of those guys, the thing is you have to be really, really organized. And what I've learned is if you know a little bit about those players prior to getting to the game, it certainly helps, whether they were in your area or you're able to pop in a little tape just to get a kind of feel for who they are. So then you can kind of make a quick snap determination. 
this guy's a little better than I thought he was when I saw him in college and I was projecting him. But now that I see him pros versus pros, yeah, I think this is someone who could help our team in some capacity as a practice squad player or a bottom-of-the-roster player that eventually develops into a guy that maybe can contribute down the line. Yeah, that's that's a great point. So that's uh, that's kind of what goes on behind the scenes. That's what scouts are doing here during the preseason. And then, of course, they're getting out as colleges are getting ready to crank up. You're getting out and doing your two-a-day visits during the during the week, and then you're probably getting out to a preseason game here on the weekend. So you're kind of cross-training, doing both college stuff, preparing for next year's draft, as well as keeping an eye on this year's uh, potential roster additions for your club. So uh, there you have it. That's what goes on behind the scenes. Buck, we got to run, man. Anything else you want to add? What are you working on? You know, I'm just working on a notebook, and a lot of the notebook is really taking snippets and tidbits from all of our reporters that are out on the scene at training camp listening to what they're saying so I can follow up with some phone calls to my guys to kind of get a little more insight on some of the news. But this week, what I'm doing is something unique. I am going to look at the league, and I'm going to put five guys that should be first ballot Hall of Famers right now, Ooh, active players. I like that. That's Hall of tough. Fame feel there. I, yeah. I, by the way, I love – be sure to check out our Hall of Fame coverage. It's fantastic. Uh, I get a chance to see the, the gold jacket ceremony – and then go in and see the speeches. It's uh, it's really one of my favorite weekends of the year to watch. Uh, just hear those stories. And we've been, you know, we, we've followed these guys forever. Ray Lewis this year, haven't been around him. My time in Baltimore, looking forward to watching him and, and seeing what he has to say. But it's going to be it's going to be a great year. Yeah, it is going to be a great year. I'm excited to hear some of the speeches. We have an over under on the Ray Lewis speech. I took <laughs> I took 45 minutes and the oh. over. Oh, what do you think? I'm going to take the under. 45 minutes, man. That's a long time. It's Ray Ray, though. I mean, the dude can speak. I mean, I know he can speak. I mean, speak, DJ, but you're, in Baltimore, you're in Baltimore with him. Like, I know, but like 45 when he gets, minutes. When he gets lathered up, a yeah. mic, and he goes to church and starts preaching. How many <laughs> How many minutes in, in that 45 is he, are we going to see some waterworks? I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be pretty close. Oh, I say within right the first out, 10. Right within out, the right first out, 10. Right out within. First, right out first, the first 10, we'll, we'll start getting some of that and. It'd be a little excitement. It'd go up and flow. A lot, a lot of emotion. That's going to be an for emotional sure. one, emotional roller coaster for us. By the way, please, everybody that's speaking, all these Hall of Fame inductees, bring something to wipe your forehead because there's always one here. <laughs> the guy's got to look down and say, can somebody give me something? I'm Like, it's hot, okay? It's going to be hot. It always is every year. I have a little something to dab the old forehead. That's my advice. Um, all right, Buck, we got to get rolling here, man. It's been fun. Looking forward to seeing some football uh, some real football tonight. I don't care if it's preseason. I can't wait. I'm excited for it. And I appreciate you guys listening, subscribing, telling a friend about the Move the Sticks podcast. Those reviews are a big help there on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate that. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. This has been the Move the Sticks podcast presented by Castro Edge, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.